My name is Kyle Willis, and this is my story. Um, well, I grew up in a small country church uh, where I was related to most everybody in the church. I can remember going from a, you know, as young as I can remember. I mean, we were in church uh, most Sundays. You know, we were there. My grandpa and grandma so close to the front. Uh, and we had our place, you know, semi-close to the back, you know, maybe in the middle of the church somewhere. It was more like a, almost like a social gathering, you know, a uh, place to go to get up with family and, you know, you were singing, eating at the church, you know, different things like that. I remember going to camp and, you know, like I said, up until that point, you know, it was mainly a, a social gathering, you know. It, I had never um, felt that calling while I was at summer camp. Uh, I remember feeling that that call, that being drawn. And of course, I was uh, very shy, uh, not very outgoing, you know. Uh, and I went into full clampdown mode then. Uh, I couldn't, you couldn't pry my fingers off that church pew in front of me. I stayed right there, you know, but, you know, like I told you, I, I definitely felt that, felt that calling. And, and so as soon as I got home, I told Mom and explained to her what happened. And she said, Kyle, we're going to go talk to the preacher. So the very next Sunday morning, we went and talked to our pastor. Uh, he went through several questions with him, asked me, if, you know, if I believed that Jesus died for my sin. I said, yes, sir. So the next thing I had to do was, you know, leave that view one more time. Walk down that aisle. And, you know, it, it seemed to be a little easier the next time. I was still missing something, you know, afterwards, you know, years later. And I feel like the Lord put somebody in my path question because I wasn't living like I should be living I was in a different church and I walked the aisle again I just you know I, I just didn't I didn't feel like something was right there and I walked the aisle again and I still didn't have that it still wasn't there so I started questioning you know and asking God and praying and I, like I told you, I broke down in my truck crying, you know, just uh, asking the Lord to show me something, and give me some some sign. What I what I seen, I seen myself sitting there in front of our pastor, and that's when I knew it was real. It was more than just accepting that you know the Lord had come and died for my sin. But that I needed to give everything over to him. And by no means am I perfect today. But I have learned to do that. And I feel like I learn more every day. Up until that point, it was when you time, come time to go to church, you know, you would think like, oh, we got to go to church again, you know. But I knew why we were going to church, but it was like, Getting up and doing something that, you know, like going to work every day. Everybody hates going to work most of the time, you know. After that point, it was like it it meant more than um, uh, 
for me to be there, me to have my family there. It's hard to give everything over. You always want to hold something. But when I started letting the Lord in and letting Him deal with things for me, it was just a totally different feeling. It was easy to give up certain things, to walk away from it and not look back. Always questioning, you know, uh, and you know who does that? And, you know, Satan was right there questioning everything. And I didn't have the answers. But really, I don't have to have those answers. I can turn that over to Jesus. Appreciate Kyle uh, sharing his story. He kept telling me he was shy, he was shy, he was shy. And what he was really telling me is, I don't want to be doing this, I don't want to be doing this, I don't want to be doing this. But I appreciate him. I appreciate him sharing his story. And you know, um, the starting point for anyone being a Christian, following Christ, is a genuine salvation experience, and that's what we've highlighted all month. Uh, we saved Kyle's for last uh, because I kind of wanted to end on this note because uh, a lot of Kyle's testimony deals with assurance of salvation and uh, as an adult he questioned that but God in his mind brought him back to that day I think you were 11 did you tell me 11 years old sitting in that preacher's office and he knew what God had said to him and what God had done in his life and he nailed that down and, and the sense that I get for all of us uh, I guess in some sense what I say is the starting point is a genuine salvation experience but sometimes as we get older we have to understand what that means and there has to be a sense of peace we could call it assurance of salvation, but today I want to say the word peace. That we know that everything's all right between us and God. And you can have a genuine salvation experience, but you need to have that assurance or that peace to say no. I, and the word that I thought of was we need to rest. We need to rest in that assurance in that peace to say everything's all right between God and I and here's how we know it's all right because he's the one who's done it and when we question and we're anxious about it it's because I'm concerned about what I have done or how I feel and I'll tell you Satan will do a number on you it's part of Kyle's testimony. And he'll make you question. And you'll start thinking about how I feel or this or that in my life or what I've done. And you think, well, I don't know that I'm okay. I'm telling you today, my whole series on the cross comes to this Sunday to say, no, there has to come a point where we settle the issue of our life and say, it's all right between God and I because God was the one who established that relationship and therefore there is peace I want to represent 
what I want to talk about today by these two chairs. I always think about it, how I'm a visual learner, David Shaw. You know, I got to see the picture of it. And I kept, when I was preparing this sermon, I kept seeing these chairs on the stage to represent the relationship we have with God. If you think about the last three Sundays, we've looked at different pictures to capture some of the glory of the cross. One of those pictures was a courtroom. I'm brought before the judge. I'm guilty. Jesus steps in to say, I will pay his penalty through my death. The courtroom scene. Um, There's also the altar scene. It's the scene of a temple and where a lamb or an animal is slain and the blood is shed. And through that atonement by the shed blood, I am made right with God. The blood covers my sin but also cleanses me of sin. And so there's the courtroom, there's the altar. And then last Sunday we looked at the slave market. And our word was to be redeemed, redemption. That when I was in bondage to sin and I couldn't free myself, Jesus Christ came with his shed blood and the power of the cross and freed me, not just from the outward consequences of sin, but the inward bondage of sin. He freed me. He set me free. He broke my chains. But this morning, the picture is a relational picture. Relational. And I know that I thought, well, how do you depict a relationship? And I thought, well, no, it's, it's two chairs, and people are sitting here looking eye to eye to each other close. Hmm. Let me just let me talk about marriage for just a second for some of you young men. If you're a young man, listen up. If you're a young lady married to the young man, write this down. <laughs> Remind him of it. One of the things, uh, and I don't even know if Amy knows I do this. She's writing it down too. Anyhow. <laughs> She's thinking, now I'm going to remind you of this this afternoon. One of the things is I always feel like in married life as a husband, there's times in the day that I need to look my wife in the eyes and to look into her eyes and to see first, is she okay? And then, boys, there's the second point, are we okay? <laughs> Because we just don't know. And I always felt like first thing in the morning, and then before my wife was retired and she would come home in the afternoon, when she came home in the afternoon, I wanted to connect with her eyes and I wanted to know, are you okay? And then, actually, more importantly for me as a man, (laughs) are we okay? (laughs) Because I just don't really know what I've done or what I could have done or why I did it, or what I'm guilty of, I just need to be told. And uh, I'm sorry, that, that's, that wasn't even in my sermon notes. Boys, look her in the eyes, and you'll know whether you're okay, or y'all are okay. But it's a relational picture. Uh, you sit with someone, and you look in their eyes. So, uh, God created us To have a relationship with Him. To meet Him face to face. Hmm. 
But the Bible says, <laughs> we chose to turn away from God. And it really just wasn't that we turned away from God. We moved away from God. <laughs> And we were separated from God. And this was our choice. Uh, the Bible would use several words to describe this. I think the word that I would say to you is the word alienation. There's separation. Uh, we could use the word estrangement, to be estranged. Um, uh, another word would be that there was enmity there was enmity there was something we had done something to offend God and we were separated from God now I have this feeling and I alluded to this in my first sermon that as we are sitting here with our backs towards God and we've chosen to do our own thing and to live our own life and we've moved away from God we get this mental picture that God <clears throat> is mad at us we get this idea that if I were to turn around and turn to God what I'm going to discover is a God who knows what I've done and he is sitting here like I'm mad at you and if you think we're going to be okay you got another thing coming and Satan lies to us and what I said to you I think the first sermon on the cross I want you to understand the cross settles once for all God does not hate us. No, God is facing towards us. In fact, He took the ultimate step. Here's the biblical word for the day, reconciliation. God took the ultimate step when there was estrangement with us to say, what do I have to do to bridge the gap, to get to them? And God died on the cross. He sent His Son to die, to draw us back into a relationship with Him. Uh, and I want you to picture the chairs this way. And when you see the chairs this way, know God does not hate you. God is not mad at you. And the reason we know that is because when we were sinners, Christ died for our sins God said I'm gonna do everything I can possibly do to reach out to you and to restore this relationship you know if we're estranged from a friend <laughs> then I think it is kind of the two chairs that are turned away from each other typically somebody's gonna to have to do something to bring us back together somebody's got to say okay I was wrong or this is a bad situation or we need, we need to be restored. Somebody's got to take that step, got to initiate. And what I would say is through the cross, God initiated to say, No, I love you. I'm not mad at you. But I hate the condition that you're in. And I want us to be back in relationship with each other. And I'll do whatever I have to do, even if I have to send my son to die on the cross. God initiated that relationship and the Bible said it was through the cross, through His shed blood. And the Bible calls this reconciliation. And reconciliation is simply a word that means 
to bring back into relationship. That's what reconciliation means. Paul says it in different ways in his writings. He says in Romans 5:10, "For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. We were enemies. He reconciled us by the death of His Son. In another scripture, Paul says this. It's in Colossians 1. He says, For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell, and by Him to reconcile all things to Himself by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked deeds, yet now He has reconciled. We've been brought back into relationship. We've been put into a right relationship. I want you to get the sense today that it was God. How do we know God's back is not turned on us and He hates us when we've turned away from Him because of the cross? He was the one who did the work to bring us back into relationship to Him. He loved us so much that He pursued us. And we've talked about this for several weeks hmm. brings up another interesting point though and I kind of need to move my chairs a little bit and I need you to change the metaphor just a little bit <laughs> humans though even though God loves all of us and is seeking a relationship with all of us, humans divide people into groups. And uh, we, uh, in our humanness, our sinful state, we look at people, we judge people. We use a lot of criteria to judge people. And it's been going on for centuries. I don't know. I think about the Jews who were God's chosen people, whom God had called Abraham their father and called them to be a special people, and God had revealed himself to them in a way that he did in other people. And so, in some respect, this is the only way. I'm just a visual guy, so I, this is what i got to do. It's almost as if they said, we've got a leg up on you. Our chair, our chair sits a little higher than yours. We're a little bit closer to God. Okay? We're the Jews. God's revealed himself to us. And we have a whole history of God uh, engaged with us as a nation. And so the Jews actually divided the world into two kinds of people. Their division was you are Jew, you were a Jew or 
there was just this term, you were a Gentile. It didn't matter whether you were Greek or you were some other nationality or what language you spoke or what color your skin was. You were either a Jew or you were a Gentile. It's just human nature, I guess, in our sinful state that we divide people into groups. The distinguishing mark was that the Jews had circumcision. It was God's special mark to say that we are his chosen people. And so actually the Jews could say there are Jews and there's hmm, Gentiles down there. There's the circumcision. Hmm. There's the uncircumcision. Um, and so the Jews had somewhat what I would call these man-made criteria to say that they were closer to God. Now, before we judge the Jews, little self-righteous Baptist people, I'm sorry, we do the same thing. It's just that our criteria is a little bit different, that we decide that I'm probably a little bit better than you because of this or that. Uh, it, I think it is human nature and it is the way we operate in our sinful state. But they are man-made criteria that says that I am better than you. I must be closer to God. Well, <laughs> one of the amazing things is that the Jews... Um, solidified this in their place of worship. <gasps> they built walls. I can't build a wall right now, okay? But just envision there's a wall. No. It's not just that we're better than you. We're going to build walls to distinguish between one group or the other. And in, in Jesus' day, if you were to go to the temple, you would come up and the outer court of that temple would be called the court of the Gentiles. Anybody could come there. But then there was a little doorway and a wall. In fact, there was a sign in Jesus' day that says anyone who is not a Jew that crosses this point does so to the endangerment of their own life or will kill you. In fact, Paul, uh, when Paul was arrested in the temple in the book of Acts, there was an uproar when they saw Paul in there because there was a man by the name of Trophius, as I remember his name. Hmm, that may not be right, but anyhow, something like that. There was a guy that they thought that Paul had brought into the temple who was, he was from Asia Minor. They just assumed he was not a Jew and he had, they had brought him in and there was an uproar and they arrested Paul. We're going to get him. Yeah, mob scene. He brought a Gentile into the court that they're not allowed into. And anyhow, wasn't true, but anyhow, he was, rest, he was arrested. So then, from that wall, if you were a Jew, you could go in. Ladies, I've got some bad news. That next court was called the court of women. And if you were a woman, you could be in that court. There was another wall and another door, and if you were a Jewish male 
you could enter into that wall, into that little court area. Now, I know this sounds kind of ridiculous to us. This is what we do in our humanness to build walls and to divide people into groups. But if you were a Jewish male, there was actually another door. And if you were a priest, you could go into that court area. And there was one last area. There was a place in the very center of the temple. And in the Old Testament, it was called the Holy of Holies. Make a mental note here. There wasn't a wall there. There was a curtain. One time a year, the man who was the high priest would go through the curtain into the holy place where God dwelt. And there he would make atonement for the sins of God's people. The high priest, on that special day, went through the, the curtain or the veil into the holiest of holy places. So in our humanness, we divide people into groups. All of that religion is man's attempt to get to God. Uh, I would, this is what I would say to the Jews. Yes, there is a chair up, but the, the gap that we are trying to bridge, well, I think it's like closer, like from here to the moon. Think about that. If we're sitting here today and you're in that chair and I'm in this chair, and I said, okay, our goal is to get to the moon. I'm a lot closer to the moon than you are. Mm. Well, look at from the moon's perspective and you're going to go, mm, I'm not so sure that you're that much closer. But in human standards, maybe I am. But maybe if you just took the analogy and said, we were trying to get to the top of the ceiling. And I'm sitting in this chair and I say, well, I have a certain advantage over you. You know what the reality is? Neither one of us can reach the ceiling or the moon. What I want you to understand in all of man's attempts to get to God, it's never going to be enough. Only God can bridge that gap. And we can divide into groups and we can make all kinds of criteria and we can say this and that and I've got a leg up on you. It's not going to matter because none of us can get to God. Only God can get to us. And he did that by his son's death on the cross. Now, I've said all of that, and I've played a little trick on you today. I want to read my scripture now at the end. If you thought, wow, that was his introduction. We're in trouble. Fear not, as it says in the scriptures. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2. In essence, what I've done is I've given you the whole explanation for what Paul's going to say. I've already explained my scripture, and you just didn't know it. In Ephesians, maybe some of you did. Byron's always known it. But anyhow, some of you were looking at the bulletin and go, I see your scripture preacher. I know where you're heading on this. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Let's read it slowly. Therefore, remember that you... 
And Paul is writing to the Ephesians who were Gentile Christians. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, having been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. You see, the end of reconciliation is peace. Who has made both What he means is Jews and Gentiles. He has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. He has abolished all human... Hey, my pulpit mic is on. Can we uh, pull that down? Um, He has dissolved all human criteria for judging ourselves there's only one criteria we all stand the same before God verse 15 having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two thus making peace He's, he's, tore all, he's tore down all the walls that humans use to say that I am closer to God than you are. He's dissolved all of that. Verse 16, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. He came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. As Paul writes to Gentile believers who are separated from God, not just in the judgment of the Jews because of their sin, but because of human religion. It says that he brought them near to God through his son's death on the cross. And what he communicates in these scriptures is it doesn't matter whether you're a Jew or you're a Gentile, whether you're bad, whether you're good, we can't get there on their own. He's dissolved all the divisions because there is only one way. It is through the cross. Everyone must come to God by the same way. And it is by the death of the cross. It doesn't matter how good you are, how bad you are, whether you're religious, whether you're not religious. There's only one way. And it's what we've said for years. The ground at the cross is level. We all stand at the same level because we're all sinners in need of a Savior. It's that simple. It doesn't matter whether you're Jew, whether you're Gentile, 
they are all now the same because Christ has destroyed the division of their human religion. Do you remember what happens? I don't know if it's in another... I know it's in Matthew's account of the crucifixion. Do you remember this? It says that when Jesus died and said it is finished and he breathed his last breath, Matthew records that there were signs that happened. Do you remember this? And one of the signs, Brother Mitchell, is it says that the veil in the temple that leads into the Holy of Holies was torn from the top to the bottom. It was kind of like, you want to see a sign (laughs) that God has opened it up for all people? I, I know God could have destroyed all those walls and all those courts. But God says, no, there will be access through the shed blood for everyone to come into the presence of God. And I'm tearing it, not, not a human tear, not from the bottom up. No, God tore it from the top down. You know, quite honestly, I know that the Jews sewed it back together. I know they had to, to keep their religion intact. But God made the statement that day, no, you all have access to me regardless of human walls and veils and curtains, whatever men may erect. My presence has been made available to all people on the same terms, the cross. The blood will make a way for you to be reconciled to God, put back in relationship with Him. God was the one who bridged the gap and brought us back. And through reconciliation, He created peace out of enmity. The hymn at Calvary says, Years I spent in vanity and pride, Caring not, my Lord was crucified. Knowing not, it was for me he died on Calvary. The last verse is what I want you to think about. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon, there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. The ground at the cross is level. All of us come on the same terms. We're all the same. It's the same Savior and the same way of salvation for each one of us. Praise be to God that He made a way. When I had alienated myself from Him, that once for all, He took the step to initiate to restore that relationship with me, to reconcile me through the death of His Son. And it is only through the death of the Son on the cross, through His shed blood, 
that we have a way to God. All of us the same. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? So, whoever you are, whatever you have done or not done, the message of Jesus is that all of us are the same. And there is only one way to the Father, and it's through the Son and His death. And so we invite you this morning, if you've never taken that step, if you've never had a genuine salvation experience, if you need to know that, He's done the work. You have to accept it. He's facing you. He's done what He can to restore and to reconcile you. You must turn towards Him in repentance of your sin and say, yes, I want to be in relationship to you. He's done the work. You don't have to do it. But you must accept it. And today you can do that. I'll be at the front. Byron will be at the front. If you need to talk to somebody, the altar is open. This is your time.